The topic we're going to come on to today is kind of the merits of recycling versus reuse and uh, is one better than the other? If we want to get an answer between yeah. recycling versus reuse, my answer would be it depends. Hi, my name is Peter Goodwin, the co-founder of CoCreate, and I'd like to welcome you to episode three of our podcast series, The Reset where we take a deep dive into those people and organisations responsible for transitioning to a more circular economy. Uh, and today, I'm delighted to, well, say that we've probably got circular economy royalty here in the form of <laughs> Sophie Thomas, um, who I've known for, for some time now. And you actually um, were kind enough to do the, the keynote speech at our first ever yeah. Simply Cups conference back in probably about 2016 now. That's right, so, very tasty snacks by, by Doug. Yeah, exactly, yeah. always good for snacks. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So obviously we know each other, but let's, let's start off before we get into the subject today, um, really a debate on the merits of, of recycling versus reuse, which I know that we've both discussed many times over the years. But, but first off, uh, for those of you who don't know you, Sophie, give us a bit of background in who you are and, and the many things that oh, you've done. The many things. So yeah, so um, I have, well, I started my career in design and I've always been working in design. So I graduated from the Royal College in 97, 98 actually, and um, spent time really un trying to understand at that point, it was about like looking at how behavior change we could change people's understanding of like reuse recycling sustainability and then i set up my company thomas matthews in 98 and it, that was really much fundamentally based on uh sort of what i call the principles and the practice so principles of sustainability and eco design as it was then and the practices like how do you how do i specify materials how does that get thrown away is it recyclable etc so and all the way through our studio which is now 23 years old um, we have really trained up all the designers to really understand it so it's a fundamental way of thinking for them which is was unusual then i think it's still quite unusual and on top of that sort of about 15 years ago, I started to spend more time looking into this, the design sector to help other designers understand what they're doing. So just seeing over and over again, designers thinking about the aesthetics, the form and the function, but not thinking about the end of life of things. And then from that, um, worked on uh, establishing and founding the Great Recovery Project in 2012. Which was a huge success. Yeah, huge it was, success. yeah and massive. Yeah. And I think that's where we sort of yeah. collaborated the most, where we were taking thousands of designers to go and meet chemists, scientists, waste managers, anthropologists, manufacturers, to get them to really understand that a linear process is not the answer. And actually, we had to join all the dots up together mm. um, and spent a lot of time just visiting waste facilities. Yeah. So and so kind of my history, I suppose, is that in a summary is that, you know, I spend, I've spent years just looking in waste streams. Yeah, happens to, to us all. <laughs> and there's probably a lot of people watching this yeah. who, who go on holiday and start taking pictures of bins in I far know. off countries and start thinking, yeah. what's the system here? We've all done that. So, I, but it's, but it's interesting you say back in, so back in 97, 98, when you were first looking at this was was there much exposure to what we probably now define the circular economy? Because the circular economy is kind of, it's a relatively new word for something that's probably been yeah. happening in different guises. But you say there, the more was around the eco design, the form, the aesthetics, as yeah. opposed to carrying it through. So 
you know, and even when we met, sort of when we were talking about the closed loop recycling days, early 2000 and kind of 10, the whole circular economy. So that's a hell of a long time that you must have seen the evolution. And so, so I think we all look back and we say, has a lot happened in the last, have yeah. you seen a lot happen? <laughs> have, you, have you seen that transition? Because the key to circularity, part of it is design yeah, and designing absolutely. for circularity. So designers have to, are paramount to be involved. So you can't engage the design community, you're not going to change anything. Yeah. So have, have you started seeing that, as a, as a broad overall, before we get into something, have you started seeing that shift in designers? Have we still got a long way to go? We have, so both. So yes and yes, we have, the shift definitely happens. When we set up the business initially, it was very much, um, you know, we were alone. This people were like, why are you focusing on that? And actually we were saying, because actually, even though we're saying we're not going to use PVC, a whole other range of materials opens up because we've set this new criteria in the, in the brief. Like we want to have reuse, so we want to have we were creating sort of labels for envelopes so that you could se you could second use your envelope, you know, that kind of thing. And we actually did all of these um, guides for kids and for adults, which had uh, reused plastic bags that we collected in Meadow Hall, around the, in, up near the air centre, and pressed all the covers and made these beautiful covers for everything. So we were sort of thinking about um, the communication, the narrative of the idea of materials waste is not the end of life of a material mm -hmm. that actually that's our pre-condition that we put on it we say that is waste and i say no that's not waste that's just material waiting to be recovered and i think if you think if you sort of reframe it like that then i'm like to other designers why are you doing you know why are you using it oh i want the whitest of white paper i'm like well how are you defining white you know there are yeah. many types of white so just questioning constantly was always the way we did things and now there are many many more designers doing that and actually the next generation of designers coming in now are like they have this moral compass yeah which before designers had to sort of leave outside the design studio and go and work for the nasty corporate clients as they said but actually now they can bring that in and say okay i want to i'm looking for companies to work with and work for that want change. And actually there's a lot of smaller companies now growing up in this space. There's a lot more freedom. So there are options at smaller yeah, companies absolutely. because there's a lot of interest in smaller companies and the localization of what smaller companies can offer. So so I think that's great because I think obviously when we talk about design, we talk about both product and system design. Yes. And obviously the topic we're going to come on to today is it's kind of the merits of, of recycling versus reuse. and. Uh, is one better than the other? And, and I don't think we're going to answer that in, in <laughs> a half an hour we have here. But I think certainly we've seen the, uh, the appetite to reuse or the evolution of reuse models starting to come back in, which is quite ironic because in reality, we used to pretty much reuse everything until we got indoctrined into this single-use society mm. where we completely come... I was speaking to someone the other day and they were saying, oh, a good idea at Christmas is, why don't you get your Christmas cards from last year, cut them up and use them as the, the label. I remember as a kid, yeah, my yeah, mum and dad doing that. that. <laughs> so we've kind of, almost reuse is kind of the new old. We went through reuse, we've, we, we went through reuse, we've shifted massively into recycling, and now evidently we need to pull it back the other way. But I do have some concerns. Um, that it's done for the right reason. And I suppose my background at closed loop recycling, I was, let's say I was indoctrinated into recycling. So if, if, if you sit in one side of the camp, I was on the recycling side. And I was very, very skeptical about some early reuse models and early reuse systems. As I've now kind of evolved my experience, I think reuse is definitely the way to go. 
but at what cost? And mm -hmm. I think we've got to be very, very careful. So in my opinion, reuse, well, this is the question you talk about morals. Is it morally right to reuse? It should we be looking morally to say we should be reusing stuff or should we be saying, actually, what's the metrics between recycling and reuse? Because sometimes we went from uh, reuse to recycling for, for good reason. A lot of work had been done to study why we've made that transition. If we just go back because it's morally right to reuse or it's at the top of hierarchy without looking at the actual metrics of what's best one versus the other. So where does the science and where does the moral compass sit? And, and ultimately, if it is science, what science do we use? Is it CO2? Is it number of uses? Do we look at water? Because the problem is, is when we measure these things, it's, it's like materials. If you sit on the side of aluminium, you'll make it work in aluminium. Yeah. If you sit on the side of plastic, you'll make it work in plastic. And guess what? If the guy from the aluminium company goes to the plastic company, suddenly you'll start saying plastic's the right thing. So, so and this is a minefield for us. So how, how, wh where do we go? Where, where sh so, so the question really is, should we go back to reuse? And I think broadly we should reuse more, but how do we measure whether we're actually getting to a better point? Okay, so I think the answer, so if we want to get an answer between yeah. recycling versus reuse, my answer would be it depends. Yeah. And the reason why is because you go from, and this is the shift that we have had that is beginning to become more prevalent in the way we design. So we're going away from product and we're moving into system. Mm -hmm. So the system design really determines whether you recycle or whether you reuse. And I would suggest, I mean, I've grappled with this, and I'm still grappling with this a lot. We know that recycling is not the answer and it's part of a suite of answers. And um, I would suggest that Re recycling is actually the reuse of the material, mm -hmm. but the problem is we don't design our products in a way that they fit the system. Yeah. So that's the difference. And I think, you know, if you, I mean, when I talk to designers and I do talks, I have this book that might, you know, I don't know if you've seen it, but my mum gave it to me. It's the um, old 1942 edition of the Citizens Advice Notes. And it's basically the rules that all the AIP, ARP wardens had for how all the laws had to be told through the UK when we were in times of rationing, yeah. when we had all our, uh, had all our big shipments of imported materials being bombed and sunk. So we had to reuse everything. Yeah. So if you go to the section on, uh, by the Ministry of Salvage in there, and they are talking about paper use, for instance, plastic's not even in there because it's not. They, ha they talk about um, gutta percha, which is the, you know, like a rubber, first type of rubber that was okay. starting to be used. So plastic hasn't even come on the, you know, it's not on the scene. Paper, you can't use paper for gratuitous marketing at all. You can't use it to wrap food. You can't uh, throw it away. If it's bigger than a, if it's smaller, unless it's a very small piece, and the same with string, because it was all reused in making, uh, you know, bombshells or making new clothing or etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So you go from that position, and then if you look at a book that came out in the 50s, which is called Plastics, um, it talks about plastics heralding the bright new future out of the depression that we have just gone through through rationing through wartime to be something that is colourful, that is absolutely disposable, that is carefree. And that is the positive spin that, that plastic was given as a material. This material can be thrown away because it doesn't matter because we're in this amazing new future and we can mould anything, we can create anything with this. So 
you, here you have a material stream which is incredibly useful, incredibly uh, can be used, in, you know, like made into cloth, made into bottles, made into chairs, made into aeroplanes, you know, etc., etc., and yet has been built on this kind of ticket of like complete disposability, and so and is cheap. So we have yeah. it as a cheap material. Uh, we can make anything out of it. We, it gets sold in this kind of great positive light. So therefore, we, are gonna, we use it as ubiquitous now in everything. We, there's no way we can get it out of our system. Now, because we've just done this very linear process with it, we've never ever thought about how we're going to collect it, how we're going to reuse it as a material, how we recycle it back into a new material. So we're now at this point of like understanding that we're we're still producing loads and loads of it here because it's still cheap, it's still really, you know, you can still do so much with it. And yet here, it's just piling up and we haven't yet built that system at the same level. So you have this kind of complete disparity of like just sort of oceans filling up, you know, all of these terrible pictures that we see. So this kind of imbalance has made this material become the bad boy in defence of plastics, not that um, I'm ever going to wholly defend plastics, but it was brought in for a reason, and there are some valid reasons yeah, to use plastics. So the circular economy is not just about plastics. No, absolutely. And it's um, not just about, you know, it's not recycling on steroids. It, it, it's, it's a lot more than that. But obviously a lot of the fundamental models have been built around plastics. And like you say, it's around systems. So, for example, the background at closed loop in terms of developing bottle-to-bottle -bottle recycling in HDPE in, in the UK, which has formed the template for a lot of other industries to follow. There was a lot of research done around that to say that actually, if we have a system, which we did, an effective curbside system, that if the system was in place, if we sold in plastic and get back by that curbside system, actually, that's a lot more beneficial than selling in glass because it's heavy, you've got to drive it around, yep. you've then got to wash it, you've got to get it back. It's, you know, if it smashes, do you want broken glass around your household? And it was kind of hailed as one of the great, kind of by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation came in, and it was like this was put up as a beacon of circularity. Yet even the beacon of circularity in plastics at this moment is under threat because a lot of people want to bring back glass bo milk bottles. Well, I think now, plastic but is a whole. Without the, but without the system, so it yeah. hasn't got the system. You've got less scale than you had before. You've got to wash it and get it back. So, and this is my concern, it's that, it's that quick marketing spin to say, look, aren't we doing the right thing? That actually appeals to consumers, but taken out of context can be quite dangerous. And there, there are instances where if we start trying to create that circularity for plastics, but then we draw back on it and go back to other materials, we're, we're never going to progress. And I suppose that's, mm. that's the concern. Well, I think also the backlash against plastics is just is really, really interesting from a behaviour change perspective. Um, because then you go, OK, people are going to go, well, uh, actually, we want bioplastics, biodegradable stuff. It has to be biodegradable. And we're like, whoa, hold on a minute. We've got absolutely no system for that. You know, and so you end up in a worse place. But it, and it's because of the, the um, because of this uh, like public backlash against one material that is it's not helpful in a way, but it is helpful. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. It's this kind of two-sided yeah. approach to thing. thing. Yes, we want to have people like go, this is, I don't want to put this stuff in my bin. You know, flexible plastics is a really, in like those kind of really hard to recycle plastics that, yeah. you know, still waiting. I'm waiting for you to like come up with an amazing <laughs> uh, solution for that. But, um, you know, there's so many, and biodegradable ones, I'm just like, you know, so going back to my it depends yeah. answer, I think for me it's about the matching between um, 
what's the age, the use life like of your product and matching it with the use life or the life of the material, yeah. then that's where things like single use plastic bottles are really wrong because you have a very short life product, but you have like a 400 year bottle yeah. or plastic being used for that. So it's about the whole kind of matching of those two together is really key. Okay. Um, and so, you know, that's, and when you get a proper closed loop system, then that doesn't really matter so much as long as you don't get leakage. Leak, yeah, yeah. And that's the important thing. So you can, so it doesn't matter what the t- material is, as long as it stays together. But yet we design things that are complicated, like disposable coffee cups, yeah. which are, you know, potentially two very, well, one very, very valuable material of a virgin paper stock. Yeah which actually does have a second, has, has market potentially, but yet we make it, com- we can complicate yep. it by, by adding in a layer of plastic. And I think, I suppose systems work well when you get standardisation. And mm. the one thing we talked about design, it's design of new materials. Yeah. And actually what the waste industry needs is consistency of materials. They'd be better if we said, okay, what are we gonna do with milk bottles? Let's make them all out of HDP, or let's make them all out, of, let's give them something that's voluminous that they can work with, yeah. other than giving them a raft of 101 different materials. So I think we've almost designed two, there are almost too many oh, material yeah. options now, which, I mean, is, tragic. which is lacking that from a system. Yeah, side. I mean, actually, if you look at the work that should, is being talked, the way that materials are being discussed at the moment is about limiting the amount of polymers you use yeah. on different things. You know, the, the very first report that Great Recovery did, when the very first recommendation was like, fast use material, uh, goods like plastic bottles should be monomer. Yeah. And how to make, we say that's not possible. We, they say, you know, we say in the companies who make them say can't do that because of leakage, blah, 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 caps. We say, make it happen. Yeah. Work it out. You put yeah, yeah. so much money into R&D, make it happen. Yeah, and it can happen. We and look to recycle content. I mean, look at the recycle content yeah. at PET. The resistance, ten, even 10 years ago, of people saying, oh, I might, now we've got 100% recycled PET yeah. bottles, so it can happen. And that was to do with, that. a lot of that was to do with, oh, public perception, they'll see it as being slightly off colour. Yeah. Now, like, it's just a bottle. It's authenticity. Or sometimes yeah. it's people looking for that. I know yeah, the bizarre things, you speak to supermarkets 10 years ago, little imperfection, not interested. Now it's like, oh, can we have something so it looks authentic? <laughs> so it's, it is amazing how it's changed. Yeah. So, okay, so if we said that, okay, there, there obviously is a huge part for, for reuse to play. And reuse is starting, but it's not really, I mean, I suppose you could label this at recycling as well, but reuse is... is there's a lot of talk about it, but is it really happening effectively? There's pockets of reuse. Now, I've got some theories why, why this might be happening is because I think we've touched on it before. People very much focus on getting a sustainable product and not a sustainable system, or they do one without the other. So we're not marrying, to make a sustainable product's pretty easy, to make a sustainable system's very hard. And if you need systems, you need collaboration. Now, what we've seen in our work with, with cut recycling is Systems work with collaboration and competitive collaboration. Is the biggest barrier to reuse competition? Because ultimately working with big businesses, big businesses have got egos. They want to be the ones to prove that they've solved the problem, which often in my experience limits them working with that. I mean, we see it in the paper cups at the moment. You've got Starbucks who are saying, okay, well, it's a 5p on a cup problem, so we need that to solve cup recycling. And then you've got Costa, McDonald's, Pret and the other saying, no, actually, we need to give some money to the recyclers. But you've got the two biggest chains doing something different mm. in a market where the waste industry or the consumer just needs just needs consistency. Mm. So 
Is it the fact that big businesses struggle to collaborate on these issues? Because we need a lot of systemic change for reuse to happen. Reuse doesn't work at small scale, it works at big scale. So how do we get from that little scale? You know, you've got the Freiburg Cup, great, that works in Freiburg, but how do you do it across the whole of Germany? Yeah. So, so it's, it, do you see competitive collaboration as, as one of the key things? Yeah, I mean, I just see it as a big world and there are some big problems that I think actually anyone, you know, like, like there just needs to be, and, and also it goes back to that, like, it depends. You know, when we were doing, we did a, a piece of work for Festival Republic where we were looking at what types of cups should they get onto their festival site. And um, we basically, they said, what's the answer? And we were like, well, it depends. Yeah. So it depends if it's a hot drink or a cold drink, and you know, who's collecting your cups and, yeah. and how you collect them on site and, you know, what kind of contamination do you have and blah, blah, blah. So we did this kind of whole decision tree for them and said this is what you should do and they went from like having you know they were having zero plastic zero plastic on their venue side so on where the where all the bands and stands were we were like well that might not actually be very helpful but that's probably not what you want to hear but then you know this is how you can do it because um they were I mean I just think that consistency is absolutely yeah. the key isn't it so and what we tend to do is look for that, that pre-competitive space where people can just go, look, we can collaborate on this and no one needs, you know, like, let's just do it all. So all the businesses need to line up. And I think that's very much the plastic pact yeah. kind of model where you actually work in a space where people aren't But that's feeling. voluntary, isn't it? A lot of yes. that is voluntary. And it we is. know that sometimes voluntary yeah, agreements can get you so far, but when the economic tables turn and suddenly something that's... Yeah. turns into a cost. So it's really it's quick. really got to be carrot and stick. Yeah. So yes, you have the voluntary agreements because they are very good at pulling people together yeah. in that pre-competitive space, but then you have legislation which is actually pushing them towards like, oh, in, in five years' time, I'm going to have to move because, you know, that's going to come in, therefore I have to start putting things in place now. Yeah. So I think what the, those two things together work in a way because you're actually saying, well, you have to do something and here's how you can start. Yeah, and which you've got with uh, extended producer responsibility, yeah. the plastic tax. I mean, yeah. fundamentally, single use will get more expensive and it'll get to the point yeah. whereby, you know, reuse models start looking much more attractive Absolutely. from that side. And, and, uh, and okay, so let me make it perceived to me more beneficial by consumers. But as someone who's obviously monitored behavioural change for, for many years, <laughs> is, so I think we assume, because the market starts moving one way, we assume, oh, everyone wants to reuse now. Yeah. Now, do we actually know people want to reuse or are we assuming from what we're reading that people want to reuse or when we ask people if they want to reuse, they say yes. But actually, when faced with the convenience of reusing or the inconvenience of reusing versus this single-use drug that we've had for the last 20 years, do we, do we actually know enough that people do want to adopt reuse? We've got the fanatics in every market. So we've got the fanatics who will go with their reusable containers, great, and we've yeah. got the sceptics at the other end. But it's the middle 80% are the ones that need convincing. Yeah, the do we know? Have we done enough research in behavioural change to know uh, that they would, given the opportunities, and we've got to make it easier, they would do that and they want it? So the research that I've been party to is very, it's not extensive, um, but I would suggest that actually reuse is a very small part of the market, but is growing. Mm -hmm. And particularly with work like City to Sea have done, uh, talking to, you know, not just water bottles, but um, 
like Ecover and Method, you know, actually they were kind of doing it years and years ago. Yep. It wasn't right then. Now, sometimes you can be too early. You can be too early, yeah. and actually now I think uh, it's a bit like closed loop, really. I think exactly like that. Yeah, <laughs> hence, <laughs> hence the reference. <laughs> yes. Now, actually, they're seeing that there's great appetite, and actually, what we were f they were finding is that all the supermarkets were getting like barraged by emails saying, mm. "Where's your reuse aisle? We need to have it." You know, I don't want it, particularly after Blue Planet too. So, it's always about timing. Yeah, agreed. But um, I think also. We think we're in a bubble. That's the problem with us a lot. We think, oh, everybody wants to do reuse. It's going to be great. Everyone will really take it up. But the you know, I, we were meeting people who have who don't drink tap water because they don't like it. They only drink one brand of water bottle of water. Sorry, um, they cook with it. They just do not use tap water yeah. at all. So we were like, okay, so you probably recycle all your bottles. No, I'm like. Okay, so, and then I saw him and saw this guy another about a couple of weeks later, and he's like, I found a recycling bin outside my door. And I start, and I'm like, brilliant, because he was suddenly just woken up to it. Mm. And actually, I, I was sort of like questioning this and going, why can they, not, why could he not see that bin? It was right mm. there. And actually, you just think, well, it's not part of his everyday yeah. journey. And so, actually, it's about awakening and saying, just put it in that bin instead of that bin, you know, easy, yeah. step by step. You know, people aren't going to become evangelists straight away, and often they won't. You know, that middle section just won't shift to, like, green angels, but you can shift behavior step by step, and I think there is movement towards that. And, you know, the way that supermarkets and big events and organizations start to make it the normal that would be the way. No, I agree, and I agree. I think, but I think you're right. It's the systems. It's about you've got to have the systems in place. We've, I've been to events where you've had reusable cups in place, but instead of having one reusable cup, you've got two reusable cup systems. So immediately you've got the confusion: one you're paying the deposit for, and the other one you aren't. And then you go up, and you know, it's again part of the system. The bar's too busy, so you can't get to the bar, so you end up buying three. So you end up paying three drinks deposits and then cups, and then you ask the guy, where do I take these cups? I'll just put it in the bin with the other guys, the ones that they paid for. All told on the back that you pay an extra pound and 10p goes to charity. Well, the cup probably only cost 30, 40p. The 10p's gone to charity, and you've pocketed another 50p. <laughs> so the only one winning from this is you. Is you. <laughs> and I remember the day we went back the next day, um, and my friend had collected up all the cups, the behavior like you want, took them back to the guy and said, where do I take these cups to? I'll just put them in that bin. And it's not joined up, and it's those kind of mm. bits that's just, the system is so important, because people will get put off if the system's not right, because they'll think, and then, yeah. as I did, well, why am I paying this pound? Surely some of that pound should go back to them putting some bins around or some people to collect these cups. Yeah. And actually, the other cup provider had done that. So why don't they all use the same cup? And it's just those, again, it comes back to collaboration, competitive, and, and just getting that system yeah. right. From, and from also, you know, when you look at the whole system and you start, you follow, so you think, okay, that went into the right bin, that got collected by the right people, that got taken to um, the, you know, it was put into the compost bin, because it was vegware or whatever, or other brands, and then it was taken there, and actually then the whole lot just got, rejected because it had too much contamination in it and then it went off to the incinerator and you're just yeah. like who knows about that yeah. you know you put oh 100 percent of our waste was recycled 
or put, you know, or composted. You're like, no, it wasn't. And we've got to do better. We've got to give people proof. We yeah, have to absolutely. Give proof. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I would, I love exposing that because then, although it really annoys people and citizens about what, you know, they get annoyed about the fact their systems don't work. I'm like, that's because, the, you know, like we need to change it. We need consistency in our recycling. We need to know, you know, compostable is not necessarily what you think it is. Don't get all starry-eyed about yeah. the fact that it's, you know, it's not it a quick that. fix. It's not a guilt-free fix. No, no. it's worse yeah. in my eyes, but okay. at the moment. Yeah, yeah, like everything. If it's the infrastructure's there and the systems are there, yeah. it's not about the material. It's about it's about collecting it consistently in volumes. Then we can have the debate over which is the best material. Yeah. Let's collect it first from that side. Okay, so the last point we'll come on to is, is again about reuse because I suppose what the challenge of reuse does to a lot of people, it actually questions their whole basic business model mm. because it's very difficult. I think what people are trying to do at the moment is they're almost trying to add on a reuse offering to their single-use business model. But effectively, reuse is actually a different business model to a single-use business model that some people might have to completely go and change the way they do business to be able to, to, to action reuse. And obviously there's a, a big fear of change and there's potentially also a big cost of change. So in the work, do, do, in the work you do with businesses and looking to try and design systems in, is there, do people get that? Do people think they can just bolt it on? I mean, that, that for me seems like if a business can work out actually, oh, a single use business might be saying, are we gonna be in business in 10 years? Maybe not. Okay, if we go to a reuse model in 10 years, yes, and we might be doing better. How do I get from that to that without yeah. losing any money? Yeah, that's what I do. That yeah. <laughs> and it's that's hard. I have. It's Because really it's hard. a system, isn't it? And you might not yeah. be able to just do it on your own. Uh, that Yes, you definitely can't do it on your own. Yeah. Because actually, if you're talking about, I mean, you know this, you know, mm. if you're talking about a system, you have to have so many players in because you're always passing this product or this thing around the system to get it back into, into reusability again. Um, and I think also it's, it's, as you say, it's a mindset because also people can't really think that far ahead. No. You know, it's, it's kind of human nature. We can't really think. Well, governments don't, so why do businesses? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, yeah. businesses aren't, we tend to do two, five years, but 10 years, that's quite mm. visionary. But and a reuse change, this whole business model could be a 10, 20 year thing. Yeah, I mean, it could yeah, be. yeah. and you have to invest at the beginning. Yeah. And you have to have complete uh, commitment so you have to have your shareholders' commitment. You have to have your trustee and your board's commitment. You have to have your employees come with you. All of that, let alone all the kind of your supply chain and your contractors and all the, you know. And your customers. And, and your customer, yeah. yeah, yeah. And don't forget your customers because someone's going to buy it. And someone's going to not just buy it, but buy into the whole system. So there may be within this, there may be some early adopters who see reuse and yeah. they're, the, they're the, the trailblazers. They're yeah. the brands that succeed. And then legislation and consumer pressure might drag the others, but it's not—it's not going to be an overnight thing to get that scale. But I think it's no. definitely the path that that needs a lot more yeah, exploration. I mean, so you know, how many years ago we were talking to you know P and G and Unilever about small you know like concentrates mm. for their reuse bottles, and they were like. Yeah, it's been, you know, their R&D guys came up with, been working on those yeah. products for 15 years, yeah, but have yeah. never been able to get it to market. And then they were like, we still can't get it to market. And now you're seeing it. Yeah. And there was a whole issue about safety, health and safety, you know, wanting to buy it, shelf space, we, marketing. Now, because we've been in lockdown for two years, everything's yeah, yeah. also 
shopping has changed, so people don't shop in the same way. So it's not about shelves, shelf space anymore and positioning. It's actually about, you know, so that could potentially change the whole way we think about packaging because we may not shop in the same way again. Mm -hmm. We may just say, here's an online picture of your product. You won't get it looking like that because you'll get it as a tablet, but put it in there. You know, it just, yeah. you could completely reframe things. And it's those who understand that and can get yeah. ahead of that. that They're probably, the ones who are going to survive. Yeah, because yeah, as you say, single use will only get more expensive. Mm. But I think, to summarise, we probably we probably need to, in the, in the case of recycling versus reuse, I think ultimately everything, everything we do is always context driven and everyone wants the simple answer of one or the other. The reality is it's both. And I think better recycling has a massive role to play whilst we move to reuse. And they may have to coexist Although systemically that might be quite difficult to do, but there's going to be an element of, of coexisting until we, we yeah. get the infrastructure in place or we really understand what the customer's willing to do. Absolutely. I mean, I always end up going back to the waste hierarchy. Yeah. The good old waste hierarchy and just saying reuse is always better because there's less process, less energy needed. You know, you're just getting, you're just reducing that carbon footprint again and again every time you yeah. use it. And carbon at the moment is the unit that we're looking at. So, you know, that's the real focus. So in that sense, that is, that's the big ticket. Um, for, I think for me, the recycling thing is about, sort of recycling versus reuse is about the two then and then that. Mm -hmm. So understanding that even with reuse, you're still gonna have an end of life, but yeah. what's your end of life gonna be? And designing for that too. So it's a kind of step process, isn't it? Yeah. And they do work together and I think, we have to, we have, you know, we can be very critical about recycling and the fact that our, you know, our levels are very low, but it's not the recycling, it's the fact that our products are designed so badly and we have so much contamination that we can't actually recycle that much. Yeah. And we don't have enough infrastructure around the planet. And, you know, all of those, you know, there's so much in that, in that kind of uh, issue that needs to be unpacked. And yeah. I just, you know, I'd rather, I'd much rather have a kind of conversation with, you know, with governments, with, you know, with companies about how do you unpack that? Redesign your products better mm. so you can get it back. Then invest in your infrastructure. Then, you know, then step, step, step. Then actually just hit recycling on the head with a stick and say, that's rubbish. Mm. Well, literally. Yeah, no, and, and it's about getting everyone around. Like you say, that's, that was one of the successes of yeah, the roadmap. Absolutely. You've got the people designing the bottles in the same room as the people actually trying to recycle it, which... Funnily enough, it's quite a novel idea and it worked quite well. So yeah, exactly. here's to more of that. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time, Sophie. It's been a pleasure speaking. You're welcome. And uh, we look forward to the impact you're going to be making over the next few years and getting some of this stuff done. Thank you.